We're going to be here till it's over, till, till something happens. We're going to be here till it changes. Through cold, rain, rocks, gravity, it doesn't matter. We're going to be here till, some, till something happens. Welcome to Mike Check Radio, the voice of Kansas City activism. I'm Mike Nichols, and in the studio with us today, we have uh, co-host uh, Kristen and co-host uh, Carl Greer. Hello. And co-host uh, Doug. Hello. And in the studio, our guest today uh, from KC Freethinkers is Darren, Camelia, and uh, LJ. Say hi, guys. How you doing? Hello. Hello. All right. And uh, to start off the show like we always do, uh, going to do a calendar of events. Uh, we're just going to do a short one. Uh, there's one event coming up next weekend. Uh, this action is the March Against Mainstream Media. This is part of a national event ap- happening all across the country. It's this Saturday, November 16th at 2 o'clock. And it's going to be in front of the Fox WDAF TV4 station. That's at 3030 Summit Street in Kansas City, Missouri. And that's the March Against Mainstream Media, Saturday, November 16th at 2 o'clock. So uh, that's the end of the calendar. But um, uh, something very, uh, we had a very big action that happened uh, this week, uh, actually this weekend in Kansas City. And that was the rally, the NSM rally and the various counter protests and i thought we should take a little bit of time to uh, talk about that a little bit before we get on with the uh, main topic of the show and uh, you know this saturday we had the rally happened in front of the jackson county courthouse it was ended up being about i'd say three dozen uh nazi neo-nazi uh, rally members and the counter protests which there was at least three that showed up at the courthouse and then at least one more that did a action away at the Liberty Memorial. And I would say the, the NSM was outnumbered like 10 to one. And I was just wondering if you guys want to talk a little bit about the rally and what you saw, what you heard, uh, you know, yeah. there's been a lot of talk about uh, a lot of discussion about whether or not you should ignore uh, the neo-Nazis and gone to Liberty Memorial or if you needed to confront them and be there at their rally right there in front of the courthouse. Well, um, it's one school of thought, but, you know, to sit back and ignore them or be passive. But this was a practice in nonviolent direct action, and it was successful, and um, the crowd was pretty spontaneous. But for the most part, well-behaved. I believe there was one arrest. Go ahead, Kristen. Uh, Yeah, I agree. I think the energy was really good. Uh, It was a good turnout. Um, There were numbers three to 500, even up to 1,000. And, yeah, and I I was down there, and I thought it was important to be um, there where the action was and to confront them head-on and let them know that, like, hate is not— going to be tolerated in Kansas City. And actually, a couple of our uh, guests in the studio were there as well. Yeah, uh, Darren here. I, I was there with uh, with my family. But, you know, after, after being there, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of torn 
as far as the effectiveness, you know, because I'm, I'm one of those ones who, after kind of thinking about it, after the emotions died down, um, should we have been there or should we have just ignored them? You know, did we kind of play into their hands? Uh, because the crowd seemed to be rowdy at points, but, you know, it kind of seemed like the uh, Nazis tried to uh, twist it a little bit, you know, try to make it seem like the protesters are the ones in the bad light. And, uh, you know, they have a twisted way of uh, talking about things and describing their their form of love. And for uh, people who may be on the fence, that could have been effective, you know, to kind of put the, uh, the Nazis on the defense against the protesters, you know. And, uh, you know, just kind of the way I kind of kind of thought about it afterwards, after, you know, the emotions died down of kind of being out there. But it, it was very emotional and uh, to see him out there and, you know, stand amongst uh, other activists, you know, it felt good. Yeah, I mean, we have a, a couple types of, of, of neo-fascism, and one is state-sponsored like we see in Greece, and um, others that are that are more like a non-profit. And um, this was, you know, some of the issues they brought up were valid about infrastructure, the, you know, these sort of engineering techniques. But the fact that they were actually provoking the crowd at times. Exactly. You know, one, at one point he says, C come at me. And, uh, and mm -hmm. so, you know, and, and it was so loud they couldn't hear themselves think. That's, that's what I really bring back out of it. And so where do we go from here is, is, is the question. And, you know, it's sort of the same question at, at Occupy two years ago. Where do we go from here? And and so we have you know we we've got these actions we you know we had today we had the nurses probably 150 um, people supporting their, the nurses strike at, at KU uh, we got another action this weekend we're starting to see more people on the streets and that's what that's what's different about you know that we haven't seen in the last 40 years but it's a different attitude we we're more sophisticated we're better connected and you know the, a lot of the volunteering is actually online. And uh, it's working. Yeah, and I think that's the importance of a rally like that, to energize people, but then afterwards to follow up and to direct that energy into real uh, positive change. And I don't think you can get that when um, you don't directly confront, um, you know, people like this, you know, that, that come in and think that they're going to spout hate and not be confronted about it. I know for me, um, this is Camila speaking, I have my two children out there with me. And um, one is three years old and the other one is 12. And for me it was important to have them there, if nothing else, to plant the seed of activism for them so that they can remember. They might not know anything about why we were out there, but so that they could know that it's not enough to just sit on the sidelines and to not stand for something, that you need to stand for something and be present. You know, I remember being a child and my parents having me out at um, anti-apartheid rallies and that that was important. And so feeling like some form of activism, that when they're of age, they are involved in that. I think that the seeds start early. So for me, this was really important to get them out there and to show that, hey, we have kids too. Our generation is going to be right there fighting the fight. So... That was important for me. Okay. Uh, I'm also in the camp that you needed to confront and be down at the courthouse and not up at the Liberty Memorial. Someone did mention nonviolent action, though. And even though there wasn't any physical violence, 
I do think that the crowd did get, like if the, the organizers who did a wonderful job and got lots of people energized and down there and down there early, it would have been good if we had done some nonviolent action training beforehand. Because, I mean, at some aspects of this, it just felt like the protesters went down there and kind of out-hated the haters. I mean, I heard one guy who was calling, there was a couple of African-American policemen, and I heard them calling the, the guy a slave, traitor to his race. I mean, I heard some stuff where they went after, you know, like talking to the police and just, you know, like telling them they need, you know, just die and all this stuff. And I was like, there's some good stuff that I saw and there's some bad stuff. And I was like, overall, I mean, I think you need, people needed to come out and to, to confront them. The, to leave them alone and let them do their thing was almost like leaving a welcome mat. Like, you know, oh, Kansas City's great. We should come here more often, you know, because of all this, their history and, you know, the stuff that's happened in other cities they've gone to. But, uh, you know, there were some banners that I thought were awesome. Did you see the banner that said white flower with more butter and it had Paula Dean on there? One. Yeah, yeah that was my favorite. <laughs> and that was just a great piece of, you know, nonviolent action because it's like, Paula Deen's just like yeah. eyes all bulging out and mouth <laughs> open looking crazy. You know, and it's just saying it's like we don't accept racism. And here's a you know, here's something that's happened recently in the news that just shows like how little it's tolerated and how ignorant their point of view is. But going down there and saying like, you know, die Nazi die is like you're muddying the, the waters and you know what I mean? So anyway, like I said, overall, I think it was great, uh, the amount of people that came out and the fact that, you know, it went and did uh, direct action and confront it. But, uh, you know, like I said, uh, maybe I'm being a little nitpicky, but I think uh, a little more nonviolence and a little bit. Uh, my girlfriend was telling me about a Klan rally that happened when she was down in Arkansas. You know, she went to the University of Arkansas in Fayetteville. And what they did to the Klan was uh, they did a... Uh, a clown, I guess you'd call it a clown block. So they had signs that said like KKK, you know, kooky, crazy clowns, and they were dressed up like clowns and just like showing, you know, your point of view is absurd. You know, we just can't take you seriously. And you know what I mean? And I was like, I, I think it would have been good if we had done, you know, something along those lines instead of, I, I'm not sure. Well, I, I'm not sure if I'm, I'm making my point. No, the bannering is very important, and you know, banner parties leading up to mm -hmm. the action, right? You know, is, is important, and people getting creative and get, putting their heads together, and sometimes it takes two or three people uh, to make some of these signs. You know, because so, someone oh, yeah. draws them out, someone fills them in, and someone comes up with the idea what to say. So oh, you yeah. want something kind of poetic, kind of catchy. You know, you want to create a meme. It's sort of a, a contest who, who comes up with a great meme. Right. But I kind of think that was the beauty of the downtown rally, that these were people, it was strictly grassroots. These were people mm -hmm. who, who probably found out about it through word of mouth or Facebook and people from the community that, you know, some people, they just showed up. And it was a contrast to the Liberty Memorial uh, uh, protest, which was mainly mainstream, um, you know, O-line um, uh, organizations. And so to me, that it was that was what was beautiful about it to me. And, and uh, in addition to the, the diversity that was down there um, racially, age wise, even class. Yeah, that was very important and great to see just that that diversity before them. Because I know at one point they were going, you know, they were naming groups, 
you know, it's like La Raza, are you there? You know, and they're going to break it down to like, we're defending the white people and La Raza's defending the Hispanic people and this other group's defending, you know, the African-American people and this and that. And it's like, they couldn't really do it because we had such a great coalition, so much diversity there. It's like, no, you know, they tried to play it off as like, what did they say? They called us like communist, anarchist, degenerates. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, that's not right either. So, but anyway, I think we're getting uh, a little too long in this and we want to get on to the main topic, uh, talk about uh, the, the KC uh, Free Thinkers uh, organization. Right. Um, I, um, so we have, a, we have a few guests in the studio today, and um, so I'm just going to start off and, and let you guys kind of discuss what, um, uh, how you identify and, um, you know, how, how you identify and how that plays out in your, in your daily lives. Um, just so we're not confused, it is the KC Free Thinkers of Color, right? right. Okay. Just making sure. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so how do you identify, Darren? Um, on the uh, census or um, <laughs> when I'm filling out an application or uh, I am a atheist. Atheist. That, that describes my view on religion. Now, as far as other things, then uh, there, there will be other titles. But as far as religion and the uh, subject of God, I am an atheist. And what does that mean? Um, I do not believe in a God or any gods whatsoever. So what about the devil? Does that mean you worship the devil? You know, the, the devil, that's another god, right? He's right up there on the uh, same plateau, right? They, they battled hand in hand in the Bible, right? So I, I guess I wouldn't believe in that either. So uh, no, I do not worship the devil, any Satanism or any of that other silly nonsense, supernatural, all of that. If there is not a good reason to believe and not even good reason to believe, but any evidence whatsoever to believe it, then uh, I don't hold true to it. How do you identify Camila? So I personally, ident I have a really difficult time with the box of identification, um, but I usually describe myself as a humanist. That's how I de um, describe myself. But I think within that, um, I don't believe in a higher power um, in the sense of an omnipotent being. I don't believe in that, um, if that's atheism, but I don't personally identify as an atheist, I identify as a humanist. And I think within that atheism does fall, but so does agnosticism. And um, so that's how I identify. Okay, so do either of you think that being a person of color contributes an added layer of complexity to your identification as a non-believer, and I'll use the general label of non-believer. Um, for me, I think that it does. Um, I think that, you know, um, in, when I say people of color, I'm gonna specifically talk about the African-American community, and even I think the larger black community, not, e not just African-Americans, are very, very religious, um, mostly Christian, um, I think maybe with some Islam, but there is an assumption that as an African-American, you believe in God, at least. Even if that means that you don't go to church, you still believe in God, and when you think of religion, you think of Christianity. And so there are a lot of assumptions, and I think a lot of it is because 
You know, atheism and humanism and secular thinking is very new. And I think that, at least in the African-American community, to come out, I think that we have a long history of free thinkers, but no one knows they were free thinkers. <laughs> and so I think that, but for people to be brave enough, and I hate to say that being able to identify the way that you want to, that you have to be brave to do that is a very new thing. And a lot of people are afraid of that and making a lot of assumptions like devil worship or for people who don't even believe in the devil, which is complicated. Right? Right. So, uh, what about you, Darren? Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I, I don't know, really. <laughs> I'll pass that one on. Um, I, think so she said, I think she said enough for me. Well, I actually pulled this quote out of a New York Times article. Speaking of African Americans and religion, uh, it says African Americans are remarkably religious, even for a, for a country known for its faith, faithfulness, as the U.S. Uh, is. According to a Pew Forum 2008 U.S. Religious Landscape Survey, 88% of African Americans believe in God with absolute certainty, compared to 71% of the total population, with more than half attending religious services at least once a week. So in this country, being black is very much tied into being religious and specifically Christian. Um, have you guys ever faced any like backlash or uh, accusations of being quote unquote white for um, your lack of belief? Um, I'm not sure if I've been um you know, accused of being uh, white, that's that's kind of uh, new new to me. But I would say that it is very rare in the in the black community to be a non-believer. I mean, extremely rare. Um, I just heard about the I heard about the, the term atheist uh, probably 15 years ago. A, a buddy of mine uh, was a self-proclaimed atheist and um, his, his belief was uh, because uh, why does God let babies die or or something along those lines. And I thought that was very simple, you know, uh, to, to go about it. So I kind of brushed it off um, at, at that time, but really never looked at that term or, or looked at it. I just was always a believer. You know, uh, my families, uh, they're very strong in the faith. And I, I just think that's just something automatic when it comes to, when it comes to black people or African-Americans, um, is that you're just automatically assumed just to be a believer. Uh, this is LJ. My experience with it, um, actually, as growing up and even being in family and family, not necessarily equating my um, seeking um, to being white, but just my, uh, I guess, seeking other religions and, um, you know, reading um, other texts, other sacred texts. I've always been, I mean, you can go to my library now and I have tons of different Bibles and concordances and, and the Bhagavad Gita, I can't even get it out, but um, some other, um, you know, um, other types of secular or sacred types of writing. So um, just even as a seeker, um, I was um, thought, you know, of just being a little bit strange and a little bit different. Um, so um, I don't necessarily identify um, with any certain type of labels as well. Um, I've been agnostic at one point. I've gone through atheism. Um, so now I'm just kind of um, at the point where I just am trying to just 
be and just try to live every day and just um, of an awareness of critical thinking. And I think that was the main thing that um, made me to um, just really search what religion was all about is just that I could no longer stay in the parameters that I was supposed to believe about Noah gathering, you know, all these animals on an ark and sailing. I mean, it just, for my logic and critical thinking, I could no longer um, live with that. Can I, can I jump in and ask a question? Um, I was wondering if there was any backlash towards, like, your parents. I know in my family, you know, I was, I was kind of a, a outgoing, I guess, agnostic. And my grandparents actually kind of blamed my folks. It's like, you know, this is, you know, because this was, you know, middle school, high school, where I was kind of like, I don't know if I believe in God. And my grandparents were just like, you know, to my parents were just like, this is your fault. You know, you did not take him to church and you did not teach him <laughs> right. the ways. And, you know, when he's an adult, you know, that's his decision. But as a kid, you know, they really kind of went after my parents and like, you know, you need to take this kid to church and set him straight. And, you know, what's wrong with you? And I didn't know if you guys kind of ran into that same thing in your families. Um, I would say uh, I've been completely uh, well, I've, I've been probably an atheist uh, probably for the last five to six years now and I probably recently come out the come out clean to my um, my my parents at least and uh, and 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 uh, siblings and I've just kind of been completely kind of ignored regarding it and it kind of shocked me no one really wants to talk about it at all you know and I was waiting for that I was prepared to have a big discussion and and kind of debate and explain myself and you know, and have them explain themselves. And I, I didn't get any of that. And they're kind of in denial about it completely. You know, I hear little comments of you believe or, you know, they just kind of brush me off with it. You know, I, mm-hmm. I don't take any offense to it. You know, they're going to pray for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but they haven't said that. And I, I would love to hear that, too. You know, that's a hot <laughs> button for me also. But, you know, uh, didn't get any of that. So, I mean, it's kind of a shock to me. Okay. For me, um, my parents are kind of, I was raised very secular, so this is a natural progression. (laughs) They're not surprised at all. As a matter of fact, my mother in particular is very encouraging of it. And I have helped her, where she lives, connect with other black free thinker groups. So I have had the privilege of being the second generation. And so everyone's used to maybe... (laughs) My parents have already set the groundwork. Uh-huh. And so everyone's like, yeah, that's their kid, of course. You know, so it's just, it's not even a big deal. Okay. So, so the KC uh, Free Thinkers of Color, it's a group for non-believers of color. Uh, can you talk about the importance of having that safe space for uh, people of color who don't um, necessarily believe in God or uh, adhere to traditional religious tenets? Yeah, and I think that for me, you know, having a community and people who you have some commonality with is very important. I think it's innately human. You know, that's what we we do. And for me, it's an outlet. It's a way to have people who might have similar experiences. And just the live experience, I think, the greater experience of being a black person, you know, and that that is a, an important part of it, or a person of color, because everyone within the group is not black. But um, to have people who have similar experiences and understand what you've been through 
and what you're going through and the difficulties of being a person of color and not being religious and not having to have a safe space is very important. And I think that is what the Kansas City Freethinkers of Color creates. It creates a safe space where at least one thing we don't have to maybe deal with is, you know, explaining all the constantly what it's like to be. And this is great. And I'm happy to be here explaining this. But sometimes it can be a little bit draining, you know, and, and to know that there are people who aren't going to ask you questions specifically about what it is or to deal with race or anything like that and to understand that you guys have a shared experience is very important. What about racism in the larger atheist community? Have you had encountered or heard of people encountering that? Uh, I've, I've heard of it, uh, but no, I haven't experienced it myself, but I haven't been a part of the, uh, the larger atheist community. Um, uh, before I joined the uh, KC Freethinkers of Color, uh, I was just mostly um, on my own with it. It kind of felt like I had a, a good friend who was also an atheist and probably, you know, helped me to discover atheism. Because, uh, like I said, I didn't know it really existed before. But, but no, I read a lot of books by Christopher Hitchens and uh, Richard Dawkins, and uh, I love listening to podcasts and things like that. And, yeah, those are all always, uh, they're always white, but I've never felt a uh, disconnect with them and still felt very relatable. But as far as uh, the whole group um, as, as a whole, um, no, I haven't re- or seen any racism or heard anything like that, so... Anybody else? Uh. Yeah, I, neither have I, but I also think that part of, and I'm not saying that it does, I mean, it does or doesn't exist within the greater atheist community or non-believer community, but I have not connected um, that much with um, other organizations. So for me, this organization here in Kansas City is the first I've been involved with. Well, the IWW, we've worked with some black churches and um, we, you know, some people present, you know, the the idea of atheism, and and of course their response is, well, we love everybody, you know, every, everyone's included, and our conditions was any anyone can have the goods, you know, we had to have a free store, anybody, you know, we're by a bus stop, anybody comes through, and so it's not any particular um, group, you know, or subset that gets these these items, and. The interesting thing was, was one of the ministers were, was retiring, and the new minister had a different way of running things, and that's where we had a conflict because we were trying to get, you know, the atheist community or the or the, or the anarchist type who are who, who lean atheist, but they they actually believe in like a religious type of experience. What you what you would hear maybe in Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, and so. You know, down down the road in Truce, you know, we have uh, people that twirl hula hoops and fire and this sort of thing and bang drums. And, and, and that's virtually the same thing as what you see in the Pentecostal, uh, the charismatic face of, of, of talking in tongues. When you have all these, all these people, you know, interacting like this, that it is a heightened experience. And so I think, you know, maybe the anarchists believe in that, that sort of, you know, heightened experience. Uh, I had another question, sorry. Um, uh, just in today's paper, there was actually a, a story about, I believe it was the Kansas City Rescue Mission. Uh, they do uh, de- deliver food to the elderly and poor for Thanksgiving. Uh, 
He denied and, us. Uh, yes, yes. Okay, so you have read that. So have you come across that also where, you know, things that aren't necessarily, you know, religious activity, you're getting barred from or, you know, uh, shunned from uh, because of your beliefs? Yeah, and I, I think they were um, they were denying the atheists the uh, ability to deliver meals because they were wanting to put a uh, scripture into each meal to to deliver to the to the needy families. You no, know, but uh, I think that's pretty wrong too. Oh yeah, you know, it's proselytizing uh, to to people. You know, and I guess it's really easy to to uh, kind of force feed people religion that way when they're when they're in need. You know, uh, very, very easy to do. And I don't think that's the right way to go about it because they're very uh, vulnerable in that time, you know. Okay. Have any of you all connected to, are there larger, like, national groups out there of black atheists or atheists of color that you've connected to? Um, no, other than Facebook. No, not really. <laughs> Um, yeah, and just like I said, I know my parents live in Southern California, and I connected them with the um, L.A. Black uh, Nonbelievers group. So. I know there's a Facebook group that I'm a part of. Uh, I think it's Black Nonbelievers, and I think I was surprised to um, go in and see, even amongst the black atheist community, how diverse uh, and widespread the beliefs uh, and, and uh, schools of thought are and uh have you camila ex- yeah you're part of that group I, right? right i am part of that group and also um i share the same sentiment of as Kristen. when i first was connected with the group um it was amazing it was like here is this secret group of all of these <laughs> black people all over the country like why hasn't this existed forever <laughs> and it, it was really i think what it provided was, you know, just a sense of really community, but also it made me realize just how different and how different I think than than a lot of other um, people who consider themselves humanists or atheists or free thinkers. And with that, I felt like, you know, it was good to see that we're not all the same either. We all have different. Yeah, they say. Uh... Atheists, her, you know, getting atheists all on the same page is kind of like herding cats. I've kind of heard that. Just because you're you're an atheist or you're a non-believer, it does not mean that you're a uh, rational or critical thinker at all. Well, our time's about up, so we'll end on that note about herding cats. Um, <laughs> thank you guys so much for coming in today and talking thank about you. Um, thank you. KC Free Thinkers of Color. And you can find us on Facebook. All right. And thanks for tuning in to Mike Check Radio. We're going to be here till it's over, till, till something happens. We're going to be here till it changes. Through cold, rain, rocks, gravity, it doesn't matter. We're going to be here till, some, till something happens. <laughs>